After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hi, everybody. It's Mind Rolling, and I'm with some very special people to me. Well, one of them I've never met before, but he still he looks pretty special. <laughs> uh, but uh, my, my old buddy and someone who's involved with the Be Here Now Network, uh, Jared Levy. Jared, welcome. It's been a while since we've done any kind of podcasting. Jared does a lot I, behind I the scenes. Say that again. Good to be back. Ah, yes. And and today, uh, at the prompting of Jared, uh, we have uh, uh, Martin here. Uh, Martin Winicki. Is that spelled? Is that pronounced right? Rather, Winicki. Winicki. Okay. And uh, Martin is here uh, representing uh, a wonderful. Um, I, I'm going to say things, and you may go. Wait, that's not what what we're about, but utopian is the word that comes to mind, a utopian community in Portugal okay. <laughs> uh, called Tamara, and it's a global peace school, amongst other things, I think, and um, and there's a, uh, a book associated with it called Terra Nova, Global Revolution and the Healing of Love, and there's uh, it's a very um, fascinating book and has a, a lot of a lot of materials. It's almost something you just sort of can't read through. You've got to pick it up and and you know read a chapter and kind of contemplate it. It's got it's very 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 deep, and uh, and it has uh, a lot of ambitious ideas, shall we say, to heal a lot of the suffering that is going on on this planet these days, and uh, and some other uh, I- ideas that. Uh, um, are are really interesting and worthy of discussion that we're going to get into later in the podcast. But uh, Martin, why don't you just uh, first of all tell me? Uh, he was Martin was just telling me. I said, "Well, you look pretty young. He looks like in his mid twenties or something." Uh, and he said, "Well, I've been here for ten years." When I asked him, so Martin, how did you get there when you were a kid, a teenager? <laughs> um, first of all, thank you for this invitation for this podcast. Um, I arrived here with um, at the age of 16, so this was 10 years ago. Um, kind of, of a part of a, of a search that I was on um, in my young youth, so to say, looking for a place or looking for a pathway actually in life where I can have the feeling that my life makes sense and I and that I'm going into an educational path where I can contribute to to, the, to a kind of world that I want to live in. Uh, I grew up in Germany. I was involved with different political movements. I was kind of, I woke up kind of as 14 to uh, when there was a moment in this part of Germany where I grew up with the, with the rise of uh, certain fascist movements and I just knew something is going fundamentally wrong and I cannot just go down the path that my parents, my teachers just suggest to me. And so I was, I was kind of shaken. And um, this led me on a search to, to go in touch with different movements, different spiritual groups. And it's still, and it, I, I felt kind of um, resonance with many things people said, but I still never felt that it, that it offered an, an answer to what I was looking for 
in general in my life. It, I didn't just want to have a little piece that I can engage in, just a political piece or a spiritual piece, but I wanted a different life. And um, and then I got to know people that told me, you have to get to know this place in Portugal. I didn't know much about it. I came with them here. And um, it was an interesting experience, first of all. And it was... The, um, it, it brought me in touch with something that I needed really a long time to understand what it actually was. And uh, and it had to do with the experience of community and the experience of being fully able to trust other people. This was, in a way, the starting point. And then what really drew me into Tamara to come here was um, an invitation for a three-year education program for young people and for peace workers from around the world to study in three years everything you need to establish a peace model and this was the point where I said okay I'm off I'm I'm skipping school uh, and I'm joining this adventure mm. this is how I got here huh. and without your parents right I mean so you came there you were 14 or something 15 yeah I came here with 16 I mean at the beginning I made a deal with my parents um, <laughs> that it would be kind of a gap year um, arrangement. So they said, you go there for one year, then you come back. I came there, I, I completed the one year, and then I kind of I ended, up, ended up staying here. So I didn't I didn't go back in the end. Mm. My parents were freaked out in the beginning. They thought it was a cult. But then when they got, when they, when they got to know the place, they, they actually realized that there, that there was something special, even though they were never like in any alternative kind of like they, they're pretty mainstream, but um, they were touched by something um, which they which they saw as authentic and meaningful. And so this was, yeah, it was okay. Mm. So, all right, well, tell us a little bit about what, uh, describe what this community is. And uh, after reading, of course, about it and, and getting uh, Jared's feedback on it, it does hark back for me back in the day when I was, uh, you know, communities and communes were, were a large part <laughs> of what was going on back in the late 60s, early 70s. So, But t uh, tell us yeah. about it. What What is this community and what is it composed of? So, so Tamara is a, um, is a peace research center. Um, so it's... It's essentially trying to create um, a holistic model a trying to showcase um, what a a new uh, so form of society could look like um, that is based on trust and cooperation between people but also between people and nature people and animals a society that is based on decentralized um, self-sufficient um, forms of life one that is basically free of any form of violence and um, it, and I mean the 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 project really came. It, it started from this from the from the attempt of of the social movements. I mean ex also what you just referred to of uh, also the the movements in the 60s and 70s where people started to dream about this kind of society. And the founders actually saw that this would always remain a dream unless you actually create um, the. Um, the life structures, the social and ecological structures that allow people to to co to coexist in trust. I mean, trust is such a is, is such an easy term to use, but it's it's the deepest thing to do because you have to you have to turn around everything um, that our culture has set up. You have to you have to um, re revolutionize people's uh, way of coexistence, work relations. Uh, love relationships, uh, the whole ways of production, uh, the the relation to nature, and so what Tamara is trying to do is to cr um, is 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 a, it is a place of research, trying to model um, in all these different areas. Um, it's it's researching on what this would look like to to coexist in trust and uh, cooperation, and it is but it is also trying. Um, to empower people around the world that want to engage in the creation of of a humane alternative through education. So we are we are educating young people, students, but also partner projects in both the global north and the south. And it's it's creating a network around the world where further such station arise. So it's essentially a, a research center, an education place, and trying to inspire 
um, a larger network. And this comes from a man named Dieter Doom. Is that correct? I know that there's um, a woman involved whose name I can't remember, yeah. but, but he wrote the book, uh, Terra Nova. Uh, is he still alive, by the way? Yeah, he's um, 70, he's turning 74 in a few days. Um, he, he's still, he's, he found it, I mean, he was the one who had the vision of the project at first, but then uh, it was actually several people kind of founding the project, including Sabine Lichtenfels, it's, uh, his partner, and like their and of the, they were the main founders in the beginning, um, and they're both still involved with the project now, running for 38 years. Mm, amazing. Okay, and then all of a sudden uh, you invite uh, this um, friendly hippie, Jared Levy, to come on <laughs> and pop into it in Portugal. And, I mean, you know, yeah. Jar Jared could have been with me in the late 60s or early 70s at one of these communes. So, you know, he seems like a prime <laughs> candidate for <laughs> this experiment. So, all right, Jared, tell us what happened. You went down there and you you knew, I mean, you knew about it a little bit. I don't know if you, did you read the book before you went down there, Terra Nova? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I met... Um I met Martin and uh, Benjamin, who is uh, one of the the other kind of people in, in the leadership there, um, at a uh, a conference at the United Nations last summer, where it was a, a very inspiring conference called Nexus, um, looking at how there, there's a large wealth transfer happening right now from baby boomers to millennials, and um, how you know these millennials want to. Um, do good things on the planet, want to use this money to towards purpose and don't, you know, don't really know where to put that energy or resources yet. And um, uh, Benjamin and Martin were invited there to, to speak about Tamara. Uh, it was it was really interesting because, um, you know, we we've been around. I mean, we my wife and I, Jyoti, we've traveled with you to, you know, India and we've been I've been to kibbutzes in Israel. I've been around to other eco villages around the the planet and what i've seen in, in most of those other uh places and and not to completely characterize but what i've run into is um you know more of a kind of drop out uh an expat you know type mentality it's it's like i don't agree with how society's moving and so we're gonna drop out we're gonna go over here we're gonna all love each other which usually doesn't work out in the best way sometimes because <laughs> they haven't built the proper you know container um and we're gonna you know have solar and and water and all these things and then you know you two years later the the projects kind of sometimes don't go so well or or whatever and and it, but it is this dropout mentality. And, and what I loved hearing about Benjamin and Martin was, and, and Tamara was the, um, was this, uh, you know, real responsibility that they were feeling to, um, to, to kind of crystallize, as you said, utopia, create this concrete utopia, show that it's possible in one place on the planet, inspire other of these places to pop up. So these healing biotopes, as they call them um to to pop up and then distribute that information so it's it was really the opposite of dropping out it was saying i don't agree but i'm not i'm not apathetic in this i have responsibility and so we want to create what can that new earth look like and so you know that was the the meeting that 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 um that uh that i had with them and then when i read the book and went deeper on some of the philosophy that was that laid beneath um I was uh, I was really you know taken back by kind of the holistic model. I mean, it, it's a truly integrated holistic model. And when I went there, and what I'd love to hear you know Martin even talk a little bit more about is, I mean, I was blown away. They've got one of the world's top you know solar scientists, this guy Jurgen that used to be a rocket scientist working in solar. They've got uh, this this other gentleman Barrett who's working in water retention landscapes, and um, I mean, it's it's extremely advanced. So. In my travels around the world and everything, I, you know, I obviously I, I think a lot of us are have this feeling we're walking around and it's like, you know, something's not right. I mean, whether it's, you know, you see another uh, Trump debate or uh, you're, you're seeing, you know, um, other things going on in society that maybe you don't agree with. There's this feeling that a lot of us are walking around with. And it was it was very interesting to drop in for three weeks to be in this field, this that that they've created there in Tamara. Mm -hmm. Um so that was, you know, that was my my entrance into it. Uh, 
the um, and I I did bring my my wife who's five months pregnant, which was an interesting experience as well because you know they have a lot of pretty radical. It's built on a radical um, philosophy of kind of love without fear, um, and. Uh, and, and so bringing, you know, my, my, uh, beautiful pregnant wife in, in, into that as well and studying some of the philosophy and then seeing some of how they're able to have that freedom. Uh, w- it was an interesting, uh, experience for us. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about love. Cause in the, uh, in the book, Dieter talks about destroyed love. Uh, Martin, why don't you talk about what destroyed love, uh, means to, to, uh, everybody and uh that's working what's that idea mm. what's that concept and obviously yeah. the, concurrently uh to uh, heal that but yeah talk about destroyed love yeah i mean that's one of the deepest part of our study actually because i mean when we engage in creating a, a humane society building community is really a i mean it's a core piece it's so much of the whether we are able to transform this world for the better or not has to do with whether we are able to live together in community and there we encounter a core wound that um, exists between people and it is a trauma in love um, and this uh, term I mean in the book it's called destroyed love I mean, you could say that um, when you look when you look to when you look to history, um, you see um, what was done uh, like from the beginning of this patriarchal time um, to the destruction of, um, of of the original matriarchal religions, all the way to to the Middle Ages, the Inquisition, and to today, to the violence that that's, that still happens um, as a as in a way a war um, between between the genders a war of the of the of the male world against um the the, the sexual nature and the religious and, and the spiritual uh, self expression of women um it is uh, it is an endless story of pain and usually when we think of love it is something we take totally private but in fact um this whole um violence that happens throughout thousands of years of patriarchy it it left um, a trace of a layer of um of frustration of 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 anger of um of profound disappointment in the soul of humanity on a on a collective level and so we are we are what we what we face as as um as the inability to open our hearts or as depression or as addiction or as love sickness or the inability to have relationships um, work out, it is actually the consequence of this of this collective trauma. And so this is this is a core understanding that um, there's this phrase in, the, in this project um, saying there can be no peace on earth so long as there's war and love. And this means above all there can be no peace in the world so long as we are not able to really um, free love from fear and embed it again in in a life of trust. Mm. Yeah, you talk also. He talks rather about the morphogenetic uh, field of fear, uh, and uh, and turning to trust as a as an antidote to that. Yeah, talk about that. Explain out morphogenetic field mm. probably. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's a term kind of introduced by the by a British scientist called Rupert Sheldrake, oh, yeah. who was who was trying to make sense of of. Um, of evolution and how um, kind of these leaps, evolutionary leaps happen where um, kind of new developments are introduced and it was, and he really came to this understanding that it, that evolution is not just carried out kind of by individuals but that there is this kind of field, that there is like this invisible informational field that connects all the individuals of a species and I mean of, a, of the biosphere um, as a whole and um, and so um you have you have um this this field um kind of steering people's thoughts people's uh, behaviors um people's actions and so after after thousands of years where you where you kind of um imprint 
over and over the same types of violence, uh, where you repeat the same um, experiences of war, of, of, of escape, of um, um, destroying um, all the things that people loved, you, um, a morphogenetic field, so, so a global um, informational field of, of fear arose. So this is the even children that grow up in very protected surroundings. At some point, they get they get um, kind of inf in, infected um, by by, the, by this information of fear simply because they live in a world that is that is filled with the information of, of fear. And so what um, what we are trying to do is is actually is to create a kind of um, we also call Tamara a greenhouse of trust, so to build a, a place um, where you can break um, the patterns of violence by creating a structure, by creating a, a, a societal environment in which trust is possible again, and thereby we have the hope that it, this cannot only um, then be of benefit for the small group that lives in this um, in this in this little uh, place, but that this can. Um, if it is done in this in in, in the in sufficient depth and complexity, that this can uh, help create a morphogenetic field, a morphogenetic field of trust, which can then replace um, the existing field of fear and violence. Mm. I guess I, in my own background, being you know very much from the east, uh, I would say that what uh, terms I would put it in would possibly be around karma. And we have certain um, predilections that we engage with and creates this karmic patterns that, uh, that are, are maybe really uh, uh, another way of talking about um, uh, morphogenetic uh, creating this morphogenetic field of fear or morphogenetic field of trust and love. Mm. And uh, so these karmic patterns, uh, the way I understand it, get created by our uh, actions. Um, I, how does this group, how do you, how do you deal with individually working on oneself? Because in my understanding of, of how it works, uh, to create something like you are trying to create is to change something inside each one of us to enable that creation to happen. How does how mm -hmm. does that how do you address that with people that come to the uh, community? Yeah, it's a it's a good question um, because also the concept of community can be misleading sometimes because people think of collect collectivism right away. But actually, it's something um, where um, kind of the individual informs the community, and the community informs the individual. So, um, and there's also this kind of understanding that so much of what um, what makes me as an individual, what um, who I am, what kind of potential I unfold, how I think, how I act in a certain situation, um, is shaped by the by the environment in which I live. And of course, um, this this is not to say that we shouldn't engage each one in an own kind of individual ethical and spiritual commitment to transform ourselves. But above all, um, the, the the work we are doing is to create um, a kind of social setting that um, has where there is so much trust that that individuals. Um, will kind of naturally want to um, kind of take down um, the patterns of defense of attack um, and and come to a to an kind of ethical behavior where they want to support others so this is um, like the creation of a, of a of a of a of a social setting where where like fighting and and competition have no advantage anymore because because the because the level of mutual support the reality of trust is, is very strongly established, and this has a lot to do with uh, with a social practice of of um, radical transparency. So this is this was a core in of, of the um, has been a core and still is up to today, um, where the people who moved into this project did it with the with the vow, and in the beginning it was an experiment to say uh, everything that happens in me, um, I'm I'm ready to to reveal what is what is going in inside of me so that I no longer need to hide but that I can 
I can really trust the other. And, um, and, this, and this kind of experimentation led to the understanding that actually we are so similar in both our light and our shadow sides. And if we open that up, um, of course, not in a, in a sense of being forced to and controlling one another, but in a sense of real trust, um, this, this, is a, this is a catalyst of transformation. Mm. And we have developed certain social technologies to, to facilitate this in a, in a protected way. Um, this is this is really a core of the of the of the transformation that that community allows, and um, and still there would be much more to say. I mean, people also walk an individual spiritual path. Um, there are certain ethical guidelines that are kind of committing for everybody to live here. So this is um, just a little introduction. Yeah, it's is there. The, I would, sorry, go ahead. I just want to add. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. There's. So, you know, I live up here in the in the Bay in San Francisco. And uh, after I met Benjamin and Martin, they were actually on um, they were they did a couple uh, what they called love schools out here. Uh, Sabine uh, Lichtenfeld, who he mentioned, and Benjamin and others came out and did these love schools around the Bay uh, in Berkeley. Um, and I, I think there were a couple of them. And there's actually one coming up this weekend in Esalen. Um, and people I mean you know, sold out waiting list, like people, you know, I, I heard many people that couldn't get into it were, you know, really upset that they couldn't. So it, it's, it's interesting to hear the, the, um, a lot of the concepts obviously that are coming up around Tamara and these social technologies that, that they have, um, you know, uh, that they've been working on for 40 years and that I actually, you know, uh, that we took part in over there. I mean, there is a real desire and, and want for it over here in the in the West and it and in um in particular in the United States. So, and uh, you know, there's even to go as far as there's groups. I mean, many communities here in California that have you know houses and kind of smaller community type environments that are coming together and um, looking at at forming a a healing biotope on you know, uh, in it somewhere in North America, um, as a, as kind of a second research center, uh, from Tamara, that Tamara would help mentor, uh, as they're doing with, you know, some other communities around the world right now. So it's, it's been interesting to see, like, you know, uh, this is going on at Tamara, they're researching this and now they're actually, you know, not just, uh, forming this, this healing biotope in Portugal and, and, and really that's still, you know, work in progress as they would say, but uh, starting to take some of these outward and seeing the reaction uh, in the United States is it's pretty fascinating. And I, I hear people talking about it all over the place here. You mentioned love school and everyone, you know, they they it's juicy. I mean, people want to talk about this stuff. <laughs> I go back, though, and say you're you're talking about transformation. You're talking about trust. You're talking about unconditional love although we haven't mentioned that a, a love that's beyond the business that of people in relationship uh i uh, i guess it's hard for me to grasp uh this any of this without that individual actually doing the kind of work that's necessary for that person to transform to trust themselves to start with because unless you trust uh -huh. yourself and you're Unless you have that self-honesty, uh, there's no way that you can reach out to anybody and have any kind of uh, profound transformation with another human being. So I guess, um, I, you know, I keep hearing of the external, and I, 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 I really do wonder about the, in terms of the education and so on, is there education around, you know, our biggest byword today, mindfulness, which means a lot mm -hmm. of things to a lot of people, but in a general way, it certainly is about awareness. It certainly is about meditation, being able to develop that that true nature inside yourself that the, t the Buddhists talk about. Yeah. So where does that lie in this whole thing? That's That's my question. Well, there is really. I mean, I was I was just pointing it out um, to show that um, actually not to not to say that um, it's just about working on the external level, but in a way making the the image the picture of spirituality more more broad because it in the end spirituality involves everything you do, 
and still um i mean in the core of tamara there is there is a, there is a, um, an education place um that is dedicated to to exactly this to the to the to the inner transformation and to opening up to the to the universal or divine potential that um, we human beings carry inside ourselves and to the we, we often call it the inner shift like the the turn we have to do in our in our thoughts in our actions in our reactions necessary um, to to embody this potential and so this is um, this is um, this is through mindfulness this is through consciousness work it is through um, becoming witness of of what we are actually thinking and doing in our in our daily lives um, and there's also another part that really has to do with um, with finding um, I mean almost back to an indigenous source of of uh, realizing again our relatedness to all of life as a, as a form of, of reconnecting so there is another um, research area that you could call it um, that, that it's uh, spiritual ecology where we where we are trying to get in touch with um, with the with the animated aspect of, 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 of um, the earth of plants of animals mm. and to realize that we are part of a that what we are is um, is the is, is, is the relationships with all else and so this um, this is another like these two research areas are really um, they are really essential to to Tamara to Tamara's existence and to the to also to the inner cohesion of the community. Hmm. Well, uh, you, there's one chapter here that's called "Toward the One" in the book. Uh, All beings are interconnected in one existence and one consciousness. All beings carry the same elementary information of life in the nuclei of their cells. All carry the same basic mathematical structure in their genetic code. All beings strive for contact and unity toward the one. Uh, in this unity, a religious component is at work. I prefer the word spiritual, because that word religion, which for some people is tough, as well as God. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this is very much you know everything that i personally have come to understand in my work in the early days um, with the psychedelics obviously that was the opening of the door and then in my meeting with this particular um, um, realized being in india which uh, i think you know who ramdas is and he met this mm -hmm. being and many of us went over and met him as well and uh, and that was a direct um, understanding of this interconnectivity. What uh, I, I I'm just I'm just curious. Obviously, Dieter, there's many many uh, analogies in this book with Eastern thought. You know, from mm -hmm. Anand, yeah. joy and bliss, and so on. What was his experience? Um, did he spend time in India, or is this through study? What uh, what uh, <laughs> prompted him in this way? Um, he was in India, but not like not very extensively. Um, I mean, it was a whole—it um, was a whole lot of different things. I mean, he was—he was trained as a as a psychoanalyst, and he went really deep into into exploring the inner realm of of humanity um, as a as a as a as a practicing um, psychoanalyst he was really shaken at the time back then um, by by the political situation by Vietnam by the necessity to really break out of the of the patterns of, of conventional life and then being being shaken um, on this level to really find a new form of life he went into into all kinds of experiments I mean he um, of, I mean, yes, also of psychedelics. This was a, this was a strong part um, oh, really? for, him, for him to realize kind of what he describes as the sacred matrix, as this mm -hmm. parallel universe of, of interconnect, interconnectedness. But then it was also the strong research of uh, trying to find ways how the the, the, the 
the other reality that he would experience on psychedelics, how he could experience it without it. Um, and so in the beginning phase of the project, they did all kinds of experiments um, to, in a way, to, 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 to tap into this other reality, like things like, um, they called it Lake Olympics, for example, in the winter, where they would have a contest of who's, who could stay longest in ice-cold water. <laughs> And realizing that um, if they would if they would be able to connect with this um, with with this divine power that they could break the um, the borders of where con- med- um, doctors would say okay, after 20 minutes you're you're definitely dead and and but they stayed in the in the in the water for 35 minutes so so they they did a lot of experimentation to really bring this down. Um, in a sober space, also with arts, so um, with theater, with all kinds of forms, and it was actually the realization that this is this is a reality that is always there. That there is this guiding, this principle of guidance, this principle of self-organization, of of self-healing. That this is just part of life, and also they had the experience of um, that even severe illnesses that occurred in the community that they could heal it through um, creating spaces where people could deeply shift from from fear to trust so even diseases like cancer would dissolve so it was it was an ongoing experience um, all the way to today where um, there are experiments in spiritual communication with with wild animals that would destroy our fields and to realize that on a level of prayer we are actually able to reach out to the to the spirit um, of of these beings and they would change their behavior they would start to cooperate they would a conscious communication would begin so in a way the whole project is a history of of a window that opens in into another reality of life that has strongly to do with this interconnectedness of all that exists and realizing that it's an endless discovery journey that just keeps on growing and sometimes it's even the feeling that we're still at just at the beginning of of stepping into this into this new world mm. What's your experience, Jared? Uh, once you were there, you spent a few weeks there. What, uh, what are, in terms of your your perspective, your inner perspective, your? Uh, I know this fits so much with your philosophy, knowing you as well as I do, that this is like a tea for you. But um, what what was your actual direct experiences as you became involved uh, on a day to day basis uh, during that time? Well, um, as, as you know, I mean, so I heard this quote when I was there that, um, that I, that has really stuck with me. It's our spiritual duty to be joyful and to use our unique gifts to benefit all. And, um, that's how I try to live my life. And, and being in that field there, I mean, there is a palpable, field there that is created i mean it's it, it brought it, it brought me into thinking about um you know in this kind of uh in 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 moving towards a, a better way of life there's you know resonance holders and there's and there's activists uh in this movement in these movements that are happening and i would say that tamara is both you know there there's there's a resonance holding that is going on there um to drop into is, is just, uh, fascinating. And it's, it's a radical experiment in what, you know, uh, what this, this field of trust can look like, uh, what, you know, and for, for, I I love Sabine. I mean, what she said to, to my wife and I, when we were leaving, um, she said, you know, we don't expect people, we, we would say for people to come visit Tamara, like you're going to visit some tribe out in the Amazon. You know, it's it's like you're you're not coming like you're not you know, don't put the you know bone in your nose and start dancing around the fire. Like come and observe a little bit. It's like you know it can be dangerous to just drop in and think that you know you're living out in society and then you just drop in for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you can you know be enlightened um, in into this way of life. So for me, there was a palpable field. Um, it, I was like a kid at a candy store in terms of, I was a part of the thinking school. So every day there were these amazing talks 
around, you know, for instance, what is our, what is the worldview around our connection with animals, our communication with animals? And I'm seeing it there. I mean, they, when he's talking about this cooperation with animals, I mean, the, the, uh, there's chickens there that are, you know, and, and foxes and living in the same, uh, you know, the same area that the, fo the foxes aren't eating the chickens, you know, uh, there, there's wild boars coming through, not messing with their, with their fields. Uh, they, there, there's a, a, a place where they're cooperating with rats in, in, you know, communication with, with, uh, rats. And this is a place of study, you know, um, it, it was it was really fascinating. One of the things that I'm most fascinated by, and I, I mean, I could go on for forever because it is a tea question for me. But what I what I'd love to hear Martin talk about, because one thing that really fascinated me was the um, love and water. Um, you know, the, the, there's this real this this um, very core uh, foundational belief around healing water on the planet and especially being here in Northern California right now and what we're feeling with, with the drought. Uh, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the healing of, of, uh, of water and, and, you know, the connection between love and water as, as you all see it. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, the goal of the project since the beginning has been to create an example for a decentralized and, self-sufficient um, community and I mean living as we do in a in a place that is also affected by drought in a way like almost exactly the same like it is in California um, it seemed really hard to imagine how this could work um, and around so about 10 years ago we, we got in touch with an ecological ecological visionary from Austria called Sepp Holzer who uh, came here and um, kind of brought us this vision of creating what he called a water retention landscape. And so for the past 10 years, we have implemented this. It's still not fully completed, but it's been completed quite largely, uh, implemented quite largely, um, where a simple measure was kind of put in place to, um, to create lakes, water so we call them water retention spaces, um, in the valley where the rainwater would fall in the winter um, to be able to stay on the land, to sink into the ground, to refill the aquifers and to kind of nurture the land all throughout the year um, and where the water is not just, you know, rushing down in winter causing floods and damages and then in summer you have, you have it's, it's totally dry and, and you have drought and everything is, 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 um, is dying out basically but you again create a permanent water situation. And the effect this measure, implementing this measure had on our land was incredible. Um, it was like um, a revelation of seeing how fast nature is actually regenerating itself, how quickly trees grow again, how you can create fields around these lakes uh, where so much food is growing, uh, how wildlife is returning. Um, and we really saw the possibility of how you can, how you could restore um, nature, how you could also repair the damage that uh, uh, we've been doing. And then we got to know people who, who did similar things, even on much larger scales in India and Slovakia and China, seeing how um, doing this um, kind of water retention landscape on a, on a bigger scale even changes the climate pattern. So where it's not only possible to adapt to climate change, but to restore um, climate change. And um, and I think what you were trying to <laughs> point me to was this analogy of seeing that um, when you when you look to the social situation, that um, the kind of um, you have a very similar situation where in our culture through the destruction of um, now looking on the ecological side through the destruction of forests through the through the destruction of um, the natural system, um, the water that comes down as rain um, falls on, on a bare ground. There is not anymore this, this fertile topsoil layer that can really take in the water um, where it can kind of refill the ground, but it just becomes violent. It, it rushes off, it destroys everything. And then there is nothing left. It's like a depleted field and where um, the, we, like we, the more we studied uh, the ecological situation, we see it's actually exactly the same. 
because community is lost as this fertile topsoil layer that allows the powers of arrows and water that kind of come in um, to, to land and to find calmness and to, um, to move in the way they actually want these uh, high life powers within people they become violent, they destroy, they create, um, they create floods um, of, of, of a violent power. Um, and where we can also see that in both areas, it's really to, it's really to create vessels that um, hold these powers in a way that they can move freely, that they can move um, in a health natural way. And so it's actually fascinating to see that in both, that in, that, uh, you know, water is so central to nature, love is so central to the human being. And that in both areas you have you have you can make visible the same pattern. Hmm. That's a wonderful and I would, analogy. I would, just, I would just add as well. I mean, it, it's it's pretty it, it's fascinating. You know, when you look at there, there's this whole field of study now called biomimicry. You know, where uh, looking at how how we in our uh, even planes we've looked at you know um, how swans are in flight and and design planes off of this and things and and what I saw at Tamara that was really interesting I mean whether it's the water as as Martin eloquently put there or um, I mean the work they're doing with with solar energy and energy autonomy really um, it's about taking the harm out of the system. They're really looking at every single system that you deal with in in, in your existence and say, how do we how do we take reduce the harm that is going on in that system? And there's a feeling, um, you know, one of the women there was was telling me about there's uh, and, and I noticed it myself that when you take a shower and you know that water is coming in and it's and there's been no harm in that system. There's a power that you feel. I mean, it, it's a it's a very palpable feeling. It's like when you're eating food that you know is organic. There's no harm in that system, and you really consciously think about the the planting of that seed and the watering of it and the growing and and throughout the whole system, people were paid well, you know, fair trade, the whole thing. And then you put that in your mouth and you and you chew it and you think about that. There is a there is a palpable uh, feeling that that awakens inside you that yeah. it's it's sensual you know um and uh so i, I would just say they're, they're they're looking at that in 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 every single aspect of life and one that i that i do not want to let martin off the podcast without talking about when we were there there were two births um within a few days of each other okay. and, and and the the you know, be, being a first time, I'm going to move moving into being a first time dad. We have a, you know, baby coming, baby girl coming in January. And that we're really excited about to see how birth, the birth process was handled in this community was, was absolutely incredible. It, it was unbelievable. And, um, I, you know, there was, I mean, 150 people from the community in the room with this woman singing, you know, and well, I mean, is out of this world. It was like nothing, you know, it's a, Martin, maybe you can talk a little bit about, I mean, I, you know, you could go on forever about the way that you all raise kids yeah. and look at, you know, death and dying, which is another subject that's, I know, very near and dear to, to uh, Ram Dass's, um, you know, uh, organization and whatnot, but maybe the, the birthing, because we got to witness two yeah. of them was, was amazing. <laughs> I mean, the basic thing is that when you really live community, then the things that like the sacred things that usually you can only share in a very small um, protected circle, they more you they are more and more grows the courage to to live them with with the community. It's like it's like a certain tribal sense almost where that that, that comes back. And I mean this birth that you just mentioned, it was really it was such a sacred moment where um, a woman. Um, the one, the mother who gave birth to this child, she was so um, she was so full of love and uh, trust. Uh, um, being in this birth moment, she she really invited the whole community in to participate in this moment, and it was um, it was a, it was a, a sacred moment of of ritual of of celebration. Um, where I, it, for me, it was really like rem remembering. Uh, like the feeling, aha, this is how it felt to be part of, of the original tribes where where everything that happens in life, the birth, um, the initiation, 
you know, everything all the way to dying, it's not, you don't put it in, into some corner, but it's part of your life. And so you, you participate in it. Mm. And um, this is really a sense also of, I can say personally, this is a sense also of, of richness I have in my life because I don't need to own everything personally. Um, you know, being, um, I don't need, um, I don't need to, you know, to to be a father myself necessarily to 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 participate in 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 a, in a birth or or to to be uh, to be with children, um, or to be you know, no no to have a certain profession, but it has to, it's the feeling it is part of my life because it is part of the community I'm I'm in, and this is this is a, this is a, I mean above all I'm I'm very deeply grateful for this for this possibility. Have you? Uh, uh... It all reminds me of Island, Aldous Huxley's book. <laughs> you read that, okay? Uh, <laughs> there's one uh, core uh, quote in this book for me, uh, and and obviously it represents, uh, or it has to represent the core of what uh, the community is about, and it's a quote from uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, mm-hmm. who actually is, of course, extraordinarily well-known and was a developer of Conscious Dying, did a lot of work with Ram Dass as well. Um, in its true sense, learning to live in the right way means learning love. True love does not make claims of possession or any conditions. To my knowledge, the only thing that really heals people is unconditional love. Love is what gives life its meaning and that's yeah. the only thing that the uh, uh, only thing I mean the core thing that we took back in our experience with Ram Dass and all of us who went to India to meet this particular being was exactly that and uh, it is uh, it is a difficult difficult thing to attain obviously right um and uh, I, I, that's why I harped a little bit in this conversation, in this podcast, around the individual work on oneself. Because if there isn't that, no matter of any community, uh, nothing can happen without that, in my experience. And I've been in a lot of different communities myself. Uh, I've been in one, particularly since those days in India, where many of us gathered together and are, are still, although we may live in different parts, it's a, you know, it's a... It's a more ethereal kind of community, but one that comes together often. Um, so uh, there's one, uh, and this is my little uh, chat with uh, Jared before we got on actually last night after going through this stuff and reading. Uh, there's one part that um, I can't grok, as they say in the old days. I can't absorb it. And that's the uh, the whole thing around uh, the sexual part of what uh, liberating sexuality is that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I got to give you a chance to you know tell me what in the world one could be thinking where uh, you can uh, this whole thing of getting beyond jealousy, getting beyond possession, and so on. Those things being, um, of course, one side of it, and then. Uh, to me, the reality is, in any of that kind of relationship, um, unless you're uh, in, you know, 2,000 years ago doing tantric practices in India with experts and realized beings who are taking you through that kind of process, without that, in our world today, which is, uh, well, it's a very difficult, polarized world, right? <laughs> Um, and you mentioned, and this, of course, Dieter mentions a lot in the book about you know, what's gone on, the patriarch, you've mentioned it, the patriarchal world that we live in, what what the abuse that women get, the inability of men to uh, absorb their feminine, to display their feminine sides, all of that, yet still uh, the... the uh, well, you, you should just tell me what, what it is that uh, this concept and how how you are working with it, which is very mm. difficult for me to, mm. to, um, to, to understand that one could get through the, the natural uh, human polarization 
in terms of desire. When yeah. there's desire and you've got lust, you know, that does not make for unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of describe exactly the, like the, the reality that um, we live in today and kind of, I mean, pointing out what a tricky issue sexuality is. And at the same time, I mean, you know, the when the project was founded, it was, um, they only realized by building community what a core issue sexuality really was and still is because um, it is so much um, at the center of um, of a lot of our longings we have as people, what we what we think about, what we are busy with, um, why we fight, why we compete with others. Um, it, it's it so much turns around um, this topic, and and the question of whether we are able to live love um, on Earth <laughs> has to do how, whether we are able to. Um, to develop trust in this area and so above all it is um, or or let's say it's the the, the, the the research on the sexual issue it starts in a way with the with the acknowledgement that, that sexuality is a societal not just an individual but a societal issue that requires healing if we want to create a world without violence I mean how much how much um, of the of the of the drive energy that, that leads um, to the massacres that are happening in this world today uh, are is a, is a, is in the root a sexual energy which um, runs through a, through a psychological um, system um, where the heart is not able to open anymore, and so um, this is actually the first thing that um, that in the work of transparency, in the work of um, of trying to create community, we have decided not to exclude this issue, but to take it in, to to make it uh, an issue that you know where when 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 couples have have issues with each other, that we that we don't say, oh, it's your private issue, um, and maybe some friends will, can speak with, with you, but. But it is it is not a matter of the community. But first of all, to see this, whatever happens on a sexual level in a community, it will it will impact the whole the whole social system. Um, and and going into it, um, like the the founding generation, they saw that that there is a deeply ingrained cultural schizophrenia in this area where. Um, our the understanding in this culture of of love and of, of and of sex has been really mixed up and, and confusing um, in a way that, that people are almost unable to, to be really truthful with one another. Couples break apart because, because they live in a system where they, are, where they are in a way forced to lie to each other. You ha in order to maintain a love relationship with somebody, you usually have to hide your, the truth um, of your attractions, your sexual truth. And so... This is where, of course, it gets really tricky and controversial, and there is also a lot of misunderstanding about the work um, we are doing, because um, because in the, they saw that in order to really to to put relationships on a truthful basis, they would need to create a space where people can can articulate first of all, and then if it generates trust, um, also follow. Um, erotic um, desires that um, even if they are not in um, like in their partnership and um, and and this was kind of of a journey of trying to um, actually heal something in the human heart where we are not divided anymore between this one longing that is so intense that is for intimacy and partnership and the other one that is for for um, for wild adventures, for you know, for sexuality, where, it, where it, in a way it it, it, um, it is not about love in in the first place. It is about it is about desire, and and I think so much of the desire that leads us away from love, that makes it an opponent to love. It is not the desire itself, but it is that in our culture, desire has been so demonized, it has been suppressed, and if it, it, it there is never a place where you can share desire 
um, in a way that is it, it 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 lands in a trusting surrounding. It you can you can maybe do it in a hidden way, um, but it is always the explosive that will that will break a relationship, break a community. And 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 the founders of this project said no. Actually, it is a life energy. It is a divine energy. And if we are able to to offer this energy a a vessel of trust, it can lead to love rather than destroy love. And um, and what we are in at the moment is really this is this research of um, of, um, of of creating of how people can establish reliable partnerships in such a culture of free love and seeing that on a like that actually these two things are not contradictory either the only thing that that creates the contradiction is is the fear and seeing of course it's the project has existed for 38 years i wouldn't i, I would not say that we are that we are kind of that the, the issue is kind of solved and you know it's just completed it's, it's still a long way to go but we see that that we can create a world where where we don't need to suppress our longings, but where following our longings will lead us to this uh, state of oneness of unconditional love um, that you that you spoke about. Okay, we're going to leave it at tricky. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is way tricky as far as uh, we could have a, a two-hour conversation about this for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, I mean, it's, this is just. I mean, it's it's also it's just. Uh, it's it's really a deep issue, and so it's just a little introduction in yeah. order to really understand it. I would recommend. I mean, Jared mentioned the love school um, to really dive into it deeply. Mm. Yeah, I I just um, this is the you know this is the such an interesting topic as a as a part of the the philosophy and and there and i think in being you know a journeyer on on you know ravi we've been to a lot of places together and it's very hard for me to conform to any dogma overall completely right or conform to some religion i mean, i was raised jewish studied buddhism was you know now hindu and, and whatnot so i'm some jubudu you know mixture of sorts and uh you know, I would just say that along the journey in our spiritual journeys, we pick up these these you know these things, and there is a lot here. I mean, it, as a, as a stop in anyone's journey to understand some of the philosophies and the things that are happening here at Tamara and in the book Terra Nova, I think it's it's a fascinating stop in in your journey and. To be a movement builder, whether you're an activist or a resonance holder or, you know, working on your own spiritual journey or your own difficulties in love or, you know, wanting to work on a permaculture project, whatever. It's an interesting stop in that journey. Yeah. Um, one other yeah. thing that I, wa I want to just put out there around transparency um, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole story because most people who listen to this podcast know about Ram Dass's, you know, introduction to Maharaji, where Maharaji really broke um, open Ram Das was when he was sitting in front of him and he said, you know, your mom, uh, and, and he said, you were out under the stars last night thinking of your mom. And, and he knew everything that, Ram, I mean, Ram Das looked into his eyes and, and Ram Das thinks, oh, if he knows that, oh God, he knows that too. And oh God, he knows that. And, you know, and all the things that flood in front and he looked up at Maharaji and he's looking at him with unconditional love. And there was this heart opening that happened that uh -huh. someone could know everything, all his shadows, all, all of that, and still look at him with unconditional love. And what I would say is sexuality, those things aside, what Tamara is doing is creating a community that is looking at you complete with complete transparency, knowing all of your shadow, all that, and with unconditional love. And just to, and uh -huh. to meditate on that thought that a community can look at you for everything that you are, all your thoughts, all your fucked up desires, whatever, and 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 with unconditional love hold you is is an interesting concept yeah. and to imagine a world where that potentially where where that could be possible um it, you know for me that as a takeaway it, to sit with that has been um ha, has been a nice a nice takeaway for me it's inspiring sounds mm. like you were inspired this is great martin and so many wonderful ideas here uh, the book is available, Martin told me earlier, on Amazon, Terra Nova. You can go through our portal on Be Here Now Network uh, and Mind Rolling and get the book, uh, Dieter, D-I-E-T-E-R, Doom, D-U-H-M. Uh, Martin was instrumental in uh, translating and editing, editing the book with a couple of other 
people. And uh, Martin, people going to a website to check you out, please give us the the website. Check the community out. Um, Tamara.org, T-A-M-E-R-A. Um, dot org. As well, Terran, sorry? Dot org, dot, yeah. Dot org, yeah. Um, and also terranova.tamara.org is another mm-hmm. page f- for more offerings. Yeah, and we'll have all of that up on the page, on the Mind Rolling page on Be Here Now Network. And uh, this has been fascinating. And uh, just the fact that some people, and you know, this has been going on for 38 years, have uh, created this intention to uh, to help uh, heal uh, a very very uh, disturbed planet at this point, which has become more and more so over these 38 years, uh, I think is uh, beyond admirable. No matter uh, you know, as uh, Jared said, putting aside the whole uh, free love deal, uh, which uh, by the way I was a big part of <laughs> back in the day. This was a <laughs> so it's not like <laughs> you know, uh, but. Um, Again, thank you, Martin. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate this. Uh, yeah. It's been illuminating. Uh-huh. And uh, well, we thank ho- you for your questions. Yeah, and we hope to uh, continue this dialogue as as it goes on. See, you know how the experiment maybe moves over to the states and some of the stuff you're doing here. We'll talk about that further uh, in the, down the line. This is mind rolling. We'll see you here on the BeHereNowNetwork.com. And next week, bye-bye.